Thank you, Jamal. That was, uh, boy, we are blessed. We are blessed with a lot of great musicians, and I'm grateful for that. So um, we continue our series on the Spirit of Christmas. We're taking a look at uh, how the Holy Spirit was interacting with all the different events that were going on throughout uh, this encounter of Jesus Christ coming to this earth. And we come to this place in Luke chapter 1, and I invite you to turn in your Bibles there now. And uh, this encounter involves Zechariah, and he is pretty much told, you're going to be quiet now for quite a while. And silence is something, it's something that makes many of us uncomfortable. At least it does me at times. There are plenty of times in my life when I enjoy silence, and then there are other times when I find it very uneasy. The silence that I received from my dad when I stepped out of, stepped out of line with some things that he and my mom thought needed to be taken care of, and I didn't do them. The glare that I received from him could melt metal, but the silence was deafening, and it was uncomfortable. The silence that perhaps you experience when you've asked for forgiveness from a friend and and you're waiting for the response and they're simply looking at you wondering how they are to proceed. That's an uncomfortable experience. The silence that perhaps you've received when you found out that you're no longer necessary at at your workplace, that they're downsizing, that they're going in a different direction. And you go to talk to your boss about why you, after all your years of service, are being let go and they look at you and there, there are no words. The silence one experiences when they're about to make a large decision and they don't know exactly if they should go down this path or that path. They cry out to God and God seems to be quiet. It's into these types of silence that our anxiety increases, that anxiety increases, chaos increases perhaps in our lives. And so what we end up doing is this, is that we cover that silence with noise. The noise of getting more busy, the noise of entertainment, the noise of anxiety, the noise of anger, the noise of materialism, or simply just noise. We want to crowd out the silence because the silence makes us uneasy. And the sound of silence was something that the people of God had been experiencing for centuries. Instead of them growing, growing more uneasy about where is God in the midst of this, it seems, to, it seems to me and it seems to many people who have looked at these things is that frankly they simply gave up and they said this is just the way it is. God is no longer interested. It had been 400 long years of oppression and and prayers were being offered all the time, yet those prayers seemed to simply bounce off the walls. Silence happens in all of our lives. And it is in the silence when we grasp some hard truths about ourselves, about this world around us, and about the Lord himself. And through it all, through it all, his peace breaks in and the sound of silence ends for a season. For 400 years, it had been silent. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. 
Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless. They were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Father, we pray now as we come to this time of looking at your word, we would ask that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes that we could see, open our ears that we can hear. Open our minds that we can understand and open our hearts that we would be transformed by you breaking into the silence. Lord, we confess that we put so much noise in our lives and then we wonder why we can't hear you. And so, Lord, do we pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would quiet our hearts and tune us in to what it is that you have for us. And Lord, I pray that no one would hear anything that I say, but that they would only hear what it is that you want them to hear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest by the name of Zechariah. And his wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. As we begin this look at what peace is all about, as we begin looking at this particular passage, one of the things that we need to to understand is this, is that God provides peace in uncertainty. 
We want everything to line up, don't we? We want one and one to always be two. We want this to work out this way. We want that to work out that way. We want everything to be organized. We want everything to make sense. We want it to be certain. And God has this way of providing peace when things are uncertain. Everybody in this room has experienced some type of uncertainty in life. And so what's going on here as we look at this passage, we we are introduced to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they had one impressive legacy. Look closely at this. First off, Zechariah is a priest. We find out that he's a priest in the division of Abijah. And then his wife, Elizabeth, notice her lineage. She can track her lineage all the way back to Aaron. Aaron, the first priest. She has this phenomenal, phenomenal legacy. The two of them together, and get this, look at verse 8. Both of them were righteous. Notice that it says, what it says next. It says, in the sight of God. Listen, I enjoy looking like I'm a righteous individual in front of people. But the biggest question of all is, am I righteous before God, in the sight of God? And because of Jesus Christ in my life, I can say, yes, I am. But they are righteous in the sight of God. They have it all together. They're wonderful individuals. We would say, wow, aren't they great? And so Zechariah goes in, and, 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 and he's a priest. And, and one of the, I want to lay out, just, there are numerous duties that a priest needs to, needs to do but I want to just illustrate a couple, a few of them, actually. And the first is this, is that a priest was required to go to the temple to serve for one week, two times a year. So a total of two weeks out of the year, they have to move from wherever they are, and they go and hang out in Jerusalem. They go and hang out and do things around the temple, and, and, and we'll find out in just a minute, sometimes, and very few times, they get to actually enter into where Zechariah goes. But part of the responsibility is this, is that while they're there, they are to be interceding for Israel. Now remember what I said just a few moments ago, that for 400 years there's all this intercession going on for Israel, that, that the Messiah would show up. They'd been promised that over and over again. And so they're praying, these priests are praying all the time. And then there's one other thing that happens that is incredibly important in this particular passage. And it's this, the opportunity to go in and burn incense on the altar. It was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Once you did it, you never got to do it again. It was done by lottery. So imagine you are a priest, and by the way, in, 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 in Zechariah's day, there were about 18,000 priests. So the chances of him getting to go into the altar are 1 in 18,000. I did the math. You got the joke. I'm grateful. 1 in 18,000. 1 in 18,000 to go into a place that is unlike any place you'd ever been before. To go into a place and burn incense. And Zechariah's name was called. We'll get to that in a few moments. But the reality is this, is that these two individuals, Zechariah and Elizabeth, 
were declared righteous in God's sight. They did everything right, but they were childless. Remember what I said a few moments ago, peace in uncertainty. Peace and uncertainty. Zechariah and Elizabeth were wonderful people. They were righteous in the sight of God, yet we pick it up in verse 7. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. They did everything right. Everything's supposed to be certain. Everything from here to here makes sense. Yet they were childless and because they were childless, they were believed to be considered by God cursed. You've been there. You've done what you were supposed to do. The Lord calls you to care for people. The Lord calls you to pray for your friends. The Lord calls you to forgive this person. And you think that everything's going to be fine and everything's going to work out just fantastic. And it doesn't. You've been there. I've been there. Zechariah and Elizabeth were declared righteous in the sight of God, yet they were childless. Every time they went to the marketplace, people would say, they might look the part, but there's something wrong because they're childless. They carried that with them every day. You see, when things don't make sense in our lives, anxiety increases. But what's great is this, is that the Lord provides peace when life doesn't make sense. He just does. I don't know how He does it, but He does. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when everything that around you is quiet, is silent. They've cried out over and over again, and yet they continue to be childless. We pick it up in verse 11. And not only does God provide peace in uncertainty, He also provides peace when it comes to the future. We pick it up in verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord, so Zechariah is in there, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the, of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Makes sense, doesn't it? Your name finally gets called. You go into this altar where nobody else had been in quite, well, no, you had never been, I should say. And what impresses me is this, is that in the uncertainty that Zechariah and Elizabeth were experiencing, what impresses me is this, is that Zechariah kept going forward with the Lord. He could have simply said, listen, I've been, we, Elizabeth and I have been doing this for a long time. We've been praying for a child. We've been doing what's right. We've been doing this. We've been doing that. And yet, nothing happens. I'm out. I'm done. But Zechariah kept going. He kept Going, He was an old man who had faithfully been serving the Lord season after season, year after year, and he kept going. 
not knowing if he would ever get his name called to go into this particular location. And imagine if he had done the following, where he and Elizabeth had a discussion. They said, listen, following after God is not working. I say, we cash in our chips and start worshiping someone else. And what ends up happening is that he would end up missing out on God doing what God always does. Perhaps you're here this morning where you're wondering if it's worth following God after all these years. You've cried out to Him repeatedly. You've asked for this. You've asked for that. You've asked for the grace to forgive others and you struggle with it. You ask for the forgiveness from God for for things that you've done in the past and you struggle with His response. And you're wondering if it's worth it. I'm here to tell you, based on what we can see in God's Word, it's always worth it. Because He provides peace in uncertain times. He provides peace in the future. And back in this day, and this is why this event is so significant, back in this day, there was this, you're going to learn a little Latin this morning, by the way. There's this term in Latin called axis mundi. And what it means is this, it's the place where heaven and earth meet. It was believed back in Jesus' day that there were various locations where heaven and earth made contact with one another and magnificent things happened. It's called Axis Mundi. And the temple in Jerusalem was believed to be one of those places. The Holy of Holies is a place that only was, was entered one time a year by the high priest. Zechariah, in this instance, gets to go right next to the Holy of Holies. He is in the most holy place outside of the Holy of Holies. It's Axis Mundi. It's where God interacts with humanity. It's where heaven and earth meet. Zechariah is there. It is an intense experience. The holiness of God is emanating everywhere. And I want to address something real quickly. There's a story out there that goes like this, that the holiness of God is so great that when a priest would enter in, what they would do is that they would tie a rope to his ankle because if the priest got out of line while he was in there, he would drop over dead. And so they tied a rope around his ankle to pull him out. Hear me on this. Not true at all. It's a great story. I wish it was true, because boy, could I preach on that. You better get your life together, otherwise you're dropping dead. It's just not true. It's not true. So when you hear someone say that, you can stand up and say, that's not true, my pastor told me it wasn't. (laughs) See how that goes over. But anyway, he's there, and it's intense. He didn't miss the opportunity. And when you and I sit there and think, well, I'm going to give up or whatever, we miss out on these opportunities. Perhaps right now what God is calling you to do in the midst of the silence is saying, hang in there. I'm right there. I've got the future taken care of. So he's gripped with fear. Verse 13. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Notice that word. Your prayer 
has been heard. A priest's responsibility was to intercede for Israel. So we can assume that that's what Zechariah has been praying about. But notice the next line. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. I'm not upset with Zechariah. But it appears that Zechariah has been praying for a son. He's supposed to be praying for the intercession of Israel. But his personal matters had him praying for a son. But here's what's beautiful about this. Is that he's praying for a son. And that son is going to be the answer to provide the way for Israel to truly encounter the Messiah. So in a sense, he's praying for the intercession of Israel by praying for a child. You see, your prayer has been heard. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but I have. When I feel like I'm praying and my prayers just bounce off the walls and it doesn't get in out of the room. God hears your prayers. He might not be responding the way that you want Him to respond. He might not be taking action immediately, but He is working in a way to answer your prayers. And so He says, Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you. You wish it stopped there. I have yet to meet a, a couple who uh, shares with me the fact that they just found out that they're pregnant, and I've yet to meet a couple that look at me and just say, yeah, we're really not that excited about it. Every, per, every couple that I've, I've, I've talked to, when they find out they're pregnant, they're thrilled to death. When Don informed me the two times that she was pregnant with Stephanie and she was pregnant with Heidi, I was stunned. And I didn't say, well, I wonder how that happened. But I was stunned. I was silent. It didn't make sense as, as far as I, wa- I, I wasn't ready for this news. But yet, God gets us ready because God provides peace in the future. And like I said, you wish it stopped there, but notice what it says. He will be a joy and delight to you, in verse 14, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Yes, you and Elizabeth are going to be joyful, but I want you to understand that many are going to rejoice. Why? Because for 400 years it's been silent, and now that silence is over. God is on the scene. Then he says this, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. John's going to be great for you and for all of Israel. And what struck me as I was working on this was was this, is that do we realize that when the Lord answers our prayers, it isn't only for us, but the answer always involves those around us. We get so focused in on, well, he's answered my prayer, that we forget that this answer is going to impact people around us. And so he answers Zechariah's prayer, and this impact is felt throughout all of Israel. 
And then he lists all these different things about, about John. He says this, he's never going to take wine or other fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he lists all these different things. And by the way, in verse 15, it's the first mention we have of the Holy Spirit in Luke's gospel. Luke's introducing the Holy Spirit saying, this is a major event. Not just that John the Baptist is going to be born, but the Holy Spirit is now on the scene as well. So often we want to contain our answers and we believe that it'll be much more manageable if the answer comes this way. But God says, I don't want to just answer your prayer. I want to blow those sides off the boxes of your prayers and say, it's so much bigger than you realize. And then we pick it up in verse 18. He provides peace in the future, and then he also provides peace in the midst of silence. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Here's an interesting, I find this a little funny, at least for me. He says he's old, but he doesn't say his wife's old. He says, My wife is well along in years. He's a wise husband. So he says, how can I be sure of this? How, how, how is this possible? Verse 19, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at the appointed time. We read this and we say, wait a second, last week Mary, we heard about this with Mary, Mary has this event with with this angel, the same angel, and she asks the question, how can this be? and the angel doesn't give her doesn't shut her down she gets to keep talking this doesn't seem very fair Zechariah he's a priest he's got things to share but he gets shut down and Mary doesn't I don't like that that does not seem fair well here we go The reason why Zechariah gets shut down is he's a priest. A priest is to know the entire history of Israel. A priest is to know all that Israel's people have experienced. And on top of that, Zechariah is an old guy. So he knows these stories inside and out. And one of the biggest stories in Israel's history involved two people by the name of Abraham and Sarah, both old and childless. And what did God do back in Genesis? He brought about a boy by the name of Isaac. Zechariah needed to be reminded that God's done this before and God's going to do it now. Birth to a childless aged couple has biblical precedent, but virgin birth has no biblical precedent up to that point. It makes sense that Mary says, how's this going to happen? But for Zechariah, you should know better. You're a priest. You should understand this. 
But here's what's interesting. And especially in today's world that is so filled with noise. If this type of an event were to happen today, that person to whom it happened would get on Instagram, Snapchat, or Facebook and post it. And they'd say, you wouldn't believe what happened to me today at the altar of incense. An angel visited me. And everybody would put likes and they put the, I really like that and all this kind of stuff. They'd make comments and all that kind of stuff. And Zechariah would make it all about him rather than all about the Lord. Here's what we need to keep in mind. Zechariah's silence allows the Lord to be heard. Sometimes we need to keep our mouths shut and allow the Lord to simply work in the midst of our silence. We sit there and think, well, I need to share people, I need to tell people about this, I need to tell people about that. I agree, you do. But sometimes our mouths get talking so much that nobody can hear about Jesus Christ. So the silence that Zechariah experiences is abundant, and it's so abundant that he can't say anything. And here's what's great about God, is that the Lord provides peace when you have nothing to say. He gives you that peace. So Zechariah is having this amazing experience and, we're, and he finds out that he's going to have a child and now he finds out he's going to be quiet. I can't imagine how frustrating that would be. But that's his situation. And then we pick it up in verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. Here's what's going on is that Back in the day when the priest entered into the temple, there would be people outside the temple praying for what? The intercession of Israel, that they'd be interceding for Israel. And what the deal was, was that they saw the priest go in, the priest would light the, light the incense, and that incense represented the prayers that were being offered up, and then the priest would come out and give a blessing over the people. And so that's why the people are there, and listen to this blessing. It's found in Numbers chapter 6. The priest would come out and say these words. Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Yahweh turn his face toward you and give you peace. Every single time the priest came out, they would pronounce that blessing. So the people are outside there, and and now what we end up finding out is that God provides peace in action. These people are outside, they're saying, I want my blessing now, I want my blessing now. In essence, I want patience when? Now. They're frustrated. They've got things to do that day. They have streets of Bethlehem to get cleaned up with. I want him to get the blessing now so I can get on with my day. Zechariah continues to wait, continues to wait, continues to wait. And then verse 22, when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple. And the last part is is interesting. He says, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. But in the midst of that, 
in the midst of this, they want that blessing. They want to hear those words from the book of Numbers, but they can't. But what they realize is this, is something greater than the blessing from Numbers 6 is happening before their very eyes. Because his actions are saying, God is on the move. It's a far greater blessing than anything else. And what ended up happening was was that his actions matched his words. They knew Zechariah was righteous in the sight of God, and he comes out and he's unable to speak, and they're thinking, this is not normal. Zechariah's life has shown that God is involved in his life, and the people interpreted it in such a way to realize God had done something significant. So I ask you this question. Do your actions reflect your words? Do your actions match what your words are about Jesus Christ? Because so often, our actions and our words don't line up very well. And the Lord provides peace as you live out your faith. I have no idea how frustrating it must have been for Zechariah to not be able to speak and trying to explain who God is and what he just experienced with signs and things like that. But the great thing is, not only does God provide peace in uncertainty, not only does he provide peace in the future, not only does he provide peace in the midst of our silence, not only does he provide peace when we're in action, but he provides peace in answers. Look what happens in verse 23. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my my disgrace among the people. He provides peace in the midst of the answers. When God answers prayers, there are times when we don't know what to do with it. We're so, un, we're so unable to comprehend the, the, the grandeur of what he's done that we're stuck. We don't know how to move forward. But look what Elizabeth does. She immediately says, the Lord has done this for me. But notice what else she does in the latter part of that verse. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace from among the people. Elizabeth receives grace from God after being disgraced by people. Remember what I said earlier, that perhaps when when Zechariah and Elizabeth were going through the marketplace or whatever, they would hear words being said about them not being, that they were childless, therefore they're cursed by God. And you could sit there and say, well, John, I think you're making an assumption there. Elizabeth pretty much says that's what was going on. The people were treating her poorly because of her childlessness. And she realizes this, is that now he, the Lord, has answered. And when the Lord answers, he also protects. It's interesting. Look, after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Why? Why would she remain in seclusion? Well, imagine she's pregnant and she goes out every single day for those five months and people continue to make fun of her, continue to mock her, continue to say you're a disgrace. And yet she knows she's pregnant and she says, but I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. 
And she and they're going to say, well, show us. One of the things I've learned from my wife, who's done daycare for ever and a day, it seems, is that women don't start showing till about month six, from what I understand. And I've learned the hard way never to ask a woman if she's pregnant. And so for five months, she's in seclusion. For five months, she it's just she, Zechariah, and God. Rejoicing in the answer. Experiencing God's peace in the midst of the answer. And the Lord provides peace when people provide hurts. I don't know what those conversations were like between Zechariah and Elizabeth during those five months. But I would imagine there was a whole lot of our God is great, He's brought us through this and He's going to take care of us. You see, we live in a world that needs God's peace so desperately. And John the Baptist comes on the scene, does amazing things, paves the way for Jesus Christ to come in. And the Apostle Paul says these words about Jesus Christ in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of history. Verse 17, He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. It's Jesus Christ. I ask you this morning, do you have peace? Do you have peace in uncertainty? Do you have peace in the silence? Do you have peace in the future? Do you have peace in your actions? Do you have peace in the answers that God has given you? Do you have peace? This morning, it's a reminder that we turn to the one who is our peace, Jesus Christ. The one who broke down the barriers. The one who brought peace into a hostile world. So we're going to do something now before the the worship team comes up. We're going to spend some moments now in silence. And it's my prayer during this time of silence that perhaps God will prick our minds, our hearts in such a way that we're reminded once again that He is our peace. Let's pray. Father, I pray that in these next moments of silence, that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would remind us of the peace that is offered in Jesus Christ, that is realized in Jesus Christ. And we confess that we live lives that are filled with a cacophony of noise. And so my prayer now is this, that in this silence, we would hear you.
Lord, at your word, you spoke creation into being. You shattered the silence by your words. Lord, it's my prayer that in these coming weeks that you would give us, that we would take opportunity of those times that you give us to be silent and that we would be silent and allow you to break in with that still small voice that says, be still and know that I am God. Lord, have mercy on us for loading up our lives with so much noise that we fail to hear from You. And we move from one noise to another noise thinking that that's going to take care of us. Yet, Lord, it's only in the midst of the silence, it's only in the midst of turning to You and being still and knowing that You are God that we experience a peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that shatters barriers, a peace that makes us whole, a peace that is never-ending and is always sustaining. Father, I lift up this group of folks, I lift up all of us to You, asking that You, Lord Jesus Christ, would be our peace. And that you would help us to keep hanging in there, even in the uncertainty, even when we have anxiety about the future, even when we don't know what to say. In those times when we go into action, we pray that we would have your peace. And we pray that in the midst of the answers that you give us, that we would have peace knowing that you, again, are so good to us. Father, you're so good. And we thank you. We thank you for giving us a peace that is unbreakable because you are the peace, Lord Jesus. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. So I invite you to stand up and while the band, uh, the worship team gets ready uh, to rest in that peace, to rest in that reality that God is there, that He is our peace, and that He will not fail, and that He always comes through. So may we sing out with great joy as we uh, continue our worship this morning. <laughs>